Before I share a scripture, I'd like to just mention next week we have a baptism coming up. Baptism for two individuals, Steve and uh, Malachi, are both going to be baptized on next Sunday. <clears throat> that will be during our morning worship service, so if you want to be a part of that and see and share in that, praise God for that. All right, we're getting back into our Exodus series this morning, so our scripture reading comes from Exodus chapter 19. I invite you to turn in your Bibles there, Exodus 19. If you don't have your own Bible, uh, you need a Bible, just raise your hand, our ushers will bring one to you. We'll be reading from the ESV, the English Standard Version, and if you don't have that version, we have copies that uh, you can use during our service. Raise your hand right now if you need a, a Bible for a reading for this morning. Let's all stand together then in respect of the reading of God's word. Reading Exodus chapter 19. It's been a while. Do you remember where we are in the series? Exodus, God called Moses to deliver his people and to bring them out of slavery in Egypt. And uh, as, as Moses responded to God's call, God used uh, ten plagues. Uh, he demonstrated himself through the ten plagues in, uh, in Egypt. And uh, after that tenth plague, the death of the firstborn, um, God took his people, Israel, out of Egypt. Um, he taught them how to observe the Passover he brought them out of Egypt, and now they are on their journey to the promised land. They are passing through the wilderness. Um, we'll review some of that as we go through. But here they are now um, waiting to hear from God in Exodus chapter 19. Follow along with me then as I read. On the third new moon, after the people of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on that day they came into the wilderness of Sinai. They set out from Rephidim and came into the wilderness of Sinai, and they encamped in the wilderness. There Israel encamped before the mountain, while Moses went up to God. The Lord called to him out of the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the people of Israel, you yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation." These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. So Moses came and called the elders of the people and set before them all these words that the Lord had commanded him. All the people answered together and said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. And Moses reported the words of the people to the Lord. And the Lord said to Moses, behold, I am coming to you in a thick cloud that the people may hear when I speak with you and may also believe you forever. When Moses told the words of the people to the Lord, the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow, and let them wash their garments, and be ready for the third day. For on the third day the Lord will come down 
on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. And you shall set limits for the people all around, saying, Take care not to go up into the mountain or touch the edge of it. Whoever touches the mountain shall be put to death. No hand shall touch him, but he shall be stoned or shot. Whether beast or man, he shall not live. When the trumpet sounds a long blast, they shall come up to the mountain. So Moses went down from the mountain to the people and consecrated the people, and they washed their garments. And he said to the people, be ready for the third day. Do not go near a woman. On the morning of the third day, there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast, so that all the people in the camp trembled. Then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God, and they took their stand at the, at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire. The smoke of it went up like the smoke of a kill, and the whole mountain trembled greatly. And as the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God answered him in thunder. The Lord came down on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain, and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. The Lord said to Moses, Go down and warn the people, lest they break through to the Lord to look, and many of them perish. Also let the priests who come near to the Lord consecrate, consecrate themselves, lest the Lord break out against them. And Moses said to the Lord, The people cannot come up to Mount Sinai, for you yourself warned us, saying, Set limits around the mountain and consecrate it. The Lord said to him, Go down and come up bringing Aaron with you. But do not let the priests and the people break through to come up to the Lord, lest he break out against them. So Moses went down to the people and told them. We'll pause right here in our reading. May God give us understanding in this portion of Scripture that we read and we'll be preaching from uh, this morning. If you would, remain standing with me. Let's bow in a moment of prayer. Thank you, Father, for allowing us to be here today. Thank you for each person that you allowed to come and to be here, to get here safely. We thank you for the means of transportation that you allowed and blessed us with. We thank you for um, each one here. We have some who uh, are here today who weren't here last week, and you have blessed to help them to, to feel better. We think of Jackie Holden, thanking you for her, Lord, and that she is back together with us. After being sick last week, we ask that you just continue to continue uh, blessing her and healing her, and uh, uh, just thank you for her presence today. Thank you for the ministry that, that she has and that she has so carefully attended to. We just pray um, uh, that those who are blessed by that ministry would, uh, would appreciate you, appreciate it as coming uh, from you. Um, we we want to pray for... Um, Willie and Mickey, as they uh, travel sometime during this week, as they return from a funeral and from a time of cruise and vacation, that you would just refresh their hearts, you would be with them, watch over them. We pray for a number of individuals here. Some are here and still uh, dealing with just um, 
different uh, symptoms and different things that uh, may be nagging at them. We just pray your, your blessing on them. We pray uh, for Trinace today that you just watch over and be with her. Uh, we pray for Lawrence today and, and his ailment, Lord. We just uh, pray that you just bring healing uh, with him. And we pray for others, Lord, who are, are suffering, whether it's sniffles or, or cough or uh, sore throat or, or other different ailments that may seem to be minor, um, but we, we hold that you are the healer of, of everything, and we just bring all these things to you that you would watch over, bless, and heal. We thank you for, for Donna for being here and feeling better. We thank you for recovery that you've given to her. And so, Lord, we pray... Um, with all these requests and all these thanks that uh, we would now turn our attention to you, to your word, that you would speak to us from your word today and that uh, you would help us understand and be motivated and challenged and encouraged um, by your word and through your word today. We pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, please be seated. Our choir comes to us with uh, special music. We talked a little bit about the um, Exodus and the story of Exodus and what has happened so that we could kind of summarize and catch up with where we are in chapter 19. So God is delivering his people from Egypt. They were slaves in Egypt. And he did that in a mighty way by showing ten plagues. Turn the water to blood, the frogs in plague two, the gnats in plague three, flies, the livestock die in the fifth plague. In the sixth plague, we have boils, seventh plague, hail, eighth plague, locusts. And then there was a little break. There was a preparation for the last and final plague. There's a warning in chapter 11 about this final plague that was coming. In chapter 12, there was instruction on the Passover and preparation for the Passover because that was the death of the firstborn was to be the final plague. And at the end of chapter 12, we see that enacted. And that every person who did not have blood of the lamb on their doorpost or on their lintel, the death angel visited that household and killed the firstborn of every family that lived in that house. And so the Passover has extreme significance because that name, God passed over, when he saw the blood, he passed judgment over that household. After this 10th plague, God brought his people out. And that's where the book gets his name. Exodus means to exit out, to come out of. And they came out of Egypt. In chapter 13, he gave instruction to them of how they were to honor 
their firstborn, by giving of their firstborn to the Lord, of their livestock, of their cattle and such. They were to celebrate a feast. And they also saw the presence of the Lord in the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire. This is at the end of chapter, tw- at the end of chapter 13. And so that's, in- that's important because God was leading his people both day and night by this pillar. In the day, it was a pillar of cloud, a cloud that they would follow. And at night, it was a pillar of fire. And so every step they were taking, there was God's direction, and they were leading. That's why that point is important, because we see in the chapters that come, the people of Israel begin to grumble and complain. And yet, they were right where God wanted them to be. It seems like they would go without water, but God was going to show himself adequate to supply their need. And it's such the same in our lives. God's not pleased when we grumble. God's not, complete, not pleased when we complain about our circumstances. God has brought us to the very circumstances that we are in and will move through those circumstances to, to care for us, to show his great love and his grace towards us. So in those circumstances, he's calling on us to trust him, to actually believe in him and to live out that faith. Israel failed greatly at that. In chapter 14, God has continued to lead his people, and it's interesting. He kind of brought them to a dead end, or so they thought. There was a were hemmed in on the sea on one side and the Egyptian army pursuing them on the other side, but God opened up the sea, and they crossed over the sea on dry land. God has continued to show his people in spite of all the obstacles and all the circumstances that they are in, God provides his way. In chapter 15, we see the song of Moses to celebrate what God had done. They were to take time to remember and to reflect and to sing and rejoice in what God has done. Doesn't that remind you of what we do on Sunday? It's what we are to do every day is to reflect on God's goodness and to to have a worship and a mindset of knowing that God is good and that God provides for his people, to rejoice in that. But they continued to grumble and complain. And in chapter 15, we see, excuse me, let me, yes, Even in chapter 15, the song of Moses is there. But at the end of the chapter, we see them encountering a circumstance, a challenge, where they come up against water that they could not drink. And it says in verse 24, the people grumbled against Moses, saying, what shall we drink? Now, God made the water sweet. He made the water so that they could drink it. And God stepped through again. But in chapter 16, we see it again. The people grumbled, it says in in verse 2. The whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and against Aaron. They said, would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full. Isn't that interesting? Look back on the situation and they said, we had it so good back there. 
That's how their complaint. And, you know, when we grumble and complain, we're really saying the Lord is not sufficient. And he can't meet our needs. So they begin to grumble and complain. In chapter 17, um, well, in chapter 16, God supplies their need not only with bread or manna from heaven, but he gave them meat to eat. He brought together a flock of, of quail and uh, gave that to them so they'd have food, not just bread, but meat as well. So he, 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 he abundantly supplied their need. In chapter 17, they quarreled uh, about water again, and God brought them water from a rock. At the end of chapter 17, we see them um, interacting with the Amalekites and uh, God giving them victory over the Amalekites as Joshua was there to battle with the Amalekites where Aaron and Hur held up Moses' arms so that they could have victory there. Then we get into chapter 18 and we see uh, God directing his leader Moses by giving him advice through his father-in-law Jethro. Jethro told him how to... How to uh, 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 how to govern over God's people without him being worn out. So we just see some very practical advice. And then we get into chapter 19. Before I get into 19, you need to have your eyes skip ahead a little bit to chapter 20. Everybody should know chapter 20 because it's the answer to the trivia question, where are the Ten Commandments? Exodus chapter 20. So the Ten Commandments are coming up. In other words, God is going to give his specific law to his people, and chapter 19 is preparation for that. And I want you to see that. I'll call chapter 19, the people encounter God. They encounter God. What's going to happen in this, in this chapter? We see the setting. It tells us it's the third moon after leaving Egypt. So if you... Um, I want to keep track of time by the moon, um, for basically, what, 30 days, right? So the third moon be you know, approximately 90 days, a short three months after leaving Egypt. So you, you can see that this is a close time frame. Everything should be fresh in their mind. Israel is encamped in the wilderness before this mountain. And Moses goes up to the mountain to God. Look at verse, the end of verse 2. Verse 2, it says, They set out from Rephidim and came into the wilderness of Sinai, and they encamped in the wilderness. Now, when it says they encamped, it means they, they set up camp. In other words, the pillar of cloud, the pillar of fire, had led them to this point and said, stop here, make your camp. So they encamped there, and it says, they encamped before the mountain, verse 3, while Moses went up to God. You'll notice a number of times in this chapter, you'll see Moses going up to commune with God. And you're going to also see in this chapter God communing with his people. And the main point of this chapter is, is, is coming. Look at verse 9 so you get the main point. Verse 
The Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am coming to you in a thick cloud that the people may hear when I speak with you and may also believe you forever. God says, I'm going to step down. I'm going to have a visual presence so my people can see me coming and being with you and to know that, in other words, that I've appointed you as leader and they ought to listen to you. And by listening to you, they are hearing from me. Moses is a mediator. Moses is the one who hears from God and speaks to God's people. And he takes what God's people says and then presents it to God. He's a mediator. And I want you to notice what happens in this role of mediating and the different reaction that Moses has in his encounter with God and the reaction that the people have in their encounter with God. God says purposely, Moses, I'm going to show you something. I'm going to show the people something. I'm going to come down on them and make my presence known. But I want, you to warn, I want you to warn them to get ready for me. So it says, the end of verse 9, when Moses told the words of the people to the Lord. In other words, let, let me back up a little bit. When Moses went up to talk with God, in verse 3, it says, Moses went up to God. The Lord called to him out of the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the people of Israel. So God gave Moses a message to tell the people. And here's the message. Verse 4, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. He says, every one of you are eyewitnesses. You've seen what has happened in the last three plus months. You have seen the ten plagues that I brought on Egypt. You've seen the destruction that that had caused, caused. And you've seen the mighty hand of God. Remember what God told to Moses? He says, I want you to go to Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go. But he's not going to let you go, not even by a strong hand. It's going to be by a mighty hand that he will release you. And he's referring to God's hand. And he's referring to the display of God's power that we've seen through the ten plagues. And he says to the people, you've seen this display. I gave it to you to be a witness to, to have an impact in your life. I want you to see my power, God is saying, and you've seen it. But not only have they seen his power... Because that can be awesome, and that, that will cause you to tremble. But he says, I bore you on eagles' wings. It's something that I've done with, with, with my children when they were small. I love to do it with my, even my grandchildren now. When they get to a certain age, you can carry them on your shoulder. They're big enough to hold their back straight so they don't flop all around. But they love being up high on your shoulder because at that point, they're taller than everybody. And they're riding dad or they're riding grandpa, and, and there they are being born by their father or born, carried by their grandfather. It's a show of affection. 
It's a show of love, and it's, it's, it's a show of connection. God says, I have gently, lovingly cared for you and carried you out myself. Not only did you see the awesome power and destruction that I brought on, on, on Egypt, but I bore you as if on eagle's wings. You were able to soar high with me. You're able to see the great heights. I've, I've taken you to a place that none other have been. I bore you on eagle's wings. He says, I, bought you, I brought you out to myself. So God is like, I hand carried you out of this land. Don't forget that. Don't miss, miss that. He says, Moses, this is the message I want you to give to my people. And then he says this, now therefore, verse 5, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine. Here we see what God intended for Israel. He says, if you will obey my voice and keep my covenant, you will be my treasured possession among all peoples. And then he makes this comment that's really important that Israel, I think, forgot all through their walk, all through their journeys, all through their history. He says, all the earth is mine. God has always desired to bring his people, which is all the earth, or people from every nation on the earth, to be connected with him. And he says, I'm using Israel to be my treasured possession. And later on, he says, he says what's be repeated in the New Testament. He says, you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. What are priests? Well, priests are ones who, who make sacrifice for the people to present that sacrifice to God, that they will be accepted to God and able to take God's blessing and present that to the people. They are that mediator to connect the people with God and connect God to the people. That's the role that Israel was to play. And as believers today, that's the role that he has for us to play. In other words, we are unique and we are special only because we're carrying out God's purpose to connect others with him. We're not the only ones that are being connected to God. God is using us to reach out to others. He intended to do that with Israel, but they got this high and exalted opinion of themselves as if they were the only ones to be connected with God. God says, I'm using you as a tool, as an instrument to connect. He says, all the earth is mine. All the people of the earth are mine. I made them all. I want them all to have access to me, and I'm using you to go get them to go tell them, to show them how I worked with you, that I'm willing to work with them in that same way. Israel was simply a testimony, as we are to be, a special people indeed, but special for God's purpose to connect all of God's creation, all that are his with him. So he tells Moses to speak this to the people. Moses 
goes and he speaks to the elders. He tells them this, and they have a response. Verse 8, all the people answered together and said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. And it says, look at the end of that. And Moses re reported the words of the people to the Lord. You notice he's the mediator. He takes what God says to the people. He talks to the people, and they have a response, and he takes their response back to the Lord. I often wonder, why does God even need a mediator? Couldn't he do that himself? He is, and he does. This mediator, which is Moses, is a picture of Sunday school answer, Jesus, amen. Y'all been to Sunday school? Y'all know every answer is Jesus, right? <laughs> this is a picture of Jesus. This is a picture of God's great work in his son, Jesus. Now, why is there a mediator needed? Let's go on. Right after that, it says, verse 9, the Lord said to Moses, behold, I'm coming to you in a thick cloud. That the people may hear when I speak with you and may also believe you forever. And says, in, in other words, God says, well, you know, Moses, I don't have to have a mediator. I can come to them directly. I'm going to give them a taste of that. I'm going to give them a taste of that, that they can directly communicate and interact with me. I'm going to give them a taste of that. He said, Moses, I've interacted with you individually, but I'm going to come down myself in a thick cloud, and give my people a taste of me. Are you ready for it? When Moses told the words of the people to the Lord, the Lord said to Moses, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. Let them wash their garments and be ready for the third day. For on the third day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. Get ready, I'm coming. Get ready, I'm coming. I'm going to come down and commune with my people. I'm going to have an encounter with my people. Let's skip down a little bit to verse 16. On the morning of the third day, all right, the day has come, right? God's coming down. On the morning of the third day, let me just pause for a second. How do you think the people felt? <laughs> God is coming to be with his people. Are they ready for this? How do you feel? I wonder why it's so hard for me to preach at funerals sometimes. I wonder why it's so hard for people to come and to the, respond to the invitation to come and interact with God. How often they don't feel comfortable at all. We don't feel comfortable at all with the idea that we're going to have an encounter with God. And death reminds us of that final encounter. So it says on the morning of the third day, there were thunderings or thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. Look at the people's response. So that all the people in the camp trembled. 
When God is coming down to interact with his people, look at their reaction. First of all, he's coming down and, 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 and the very physical creation shakes. There's thunder and lightning and something that sounds like a loud trumpet blast. There's smoke, or what's said to be a thick cloud. Immediate physical reaction. And the people's response is they trembled. I can understand that. As a human being, I've also often been afraid of a face-to-face contact with God. There's something awesome about the God who made everything and who's in control of absolutely everything looking at me and me directing my gaze towards him. I've often woke up and shivered and trembled at the thought of coming and interacting and meeting with God. Why didn't Moses experience this? Moses interacted with God on several occasions. We see throughout this chapter, he goes up to the mountain to be with God. It says in verse 17, Then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God, and they took their stand at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke. Because the Lord had descended on it in fire. The smoke of it went up like the smoke of a kill, and the whole mountain trembled greatly. So not only do you have thunder and lightning, a thick cloud and a smoke, you had this loud trumpet blast, and you had the whole mountain shaking and trembling. The picture here is that God is an awesome God. And he's a God that is not to be played with. He tells the people, when I come down, prepare yourself. Clean yourself. Be ready to interact with me. Even your day-to-day tasks that that you do from day-to-day, he says, stop that so that you can interact with me. But the people don't respond very positively to this. In fact, they're terrified. They're terrified. Here's the picture here. That God wants to interact with his people. But his people are not ready to interact with him one-on-one because we need a mediator. We need someone like us that can connect us to God. In this story, that picture is Moses, who's a mediator for his people. But the real mediator, 1 Timothy 2, verse 5, says there's one God and one mediator between God and man, or God and men, and it's the man, Christ Jesus. I want you to gain just a bit of an appreciation here. God says, I want to be with my people But they're sinful, and I'm so holy, they can't even look at me. And my presence with them will cause them to tremble, but they need a mediator. 
One who can take away the problem that we have between us. What is that problem? It's sin. It's sin. One who can cleanse us from our sin and then be able to present us to the Father without a problem. You know, the book of Hebrews says that we can now come boldly to the throne of grace. We don't have to shy away. And so this picture of God as an awesome God is a real picture. It is not to be put aside or minimized. We dare not step in the presence of God in our own worth, in our own self. We need a mediator. But praise God, God has given us a mediator. God himself said, I'm stepping down from heaven so that I can carry you with me to the presence of God. God, Jesus is like taking us by the hand and we're like, whoa, whoa, Jesus. (coughs) Don't, Don't take us too close. He said, don't worry about it. I know him. And I'm introducing you to him. You have no more need of fear because I have removed the cause for fear. Your worthless state as a sinner. I've paid for that sin myself. And now I present you to my father. See, Moses is a picture of what God has done for us. And he can come and commune with God. He can commune with God. God wants to commune with us that way and has made a preparation for us to be able to do that through his son, Jesus. In this chapter, we see the encounter with God is not a pleasant one. It's a fearful one unless you have a mediator. And in fact, in chapter 20, after the law is given, we see the people respond. And can I jump there just for a second? It says, Verse 20, excuse me, verse, let me start at verse 18. Now, when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, people were afraid and trembled. And they stood far off. (laughs) Can you imagine that? God had warned the people, don't get close to the edge of the mountain because I wanted to put a barrier, put a fence around it so they don't come too close. Moses said, Lord, you ain't got to worry about them coming close because they scared to death. And and, and it says the people, they they, they didn't get too close. They stayed afar off. They trembled. They said to Moses, you speak to us and we will listen. But do not let God speak to us lest we die. They're... They're acknowledging a need. Moses, we can't get too too close to God. We can't. We need a mediator. Would you go for us? Jesus himself is that mediator. If you have thought it's too awesome or terrifying to come in the presence of God, you're right. You're absolutely right. From the time I was a kid, if if my mother called me by my full name, I knew <laughs> someone right. Come here, Brian Dexter Kenner. I'm like, oh my goodness. 
So if I tremble going to my loving parents, that thought would carry on in school. I didn't want the principal to know me. If the principal called you by name, you were in trouble. Something wasn't right. Boy, I know you. I know your mom and your dad. Come on in my office. Uh-oh. How can we then encounter God unless we have a mediator? So it's the right thought to be in fear of God. But it's also we need to know that God has made a mediator for us. That's what Jesus is. He's God himself. Notice in that 1 Timothy 2.5, there's one God. And there's only one mediator between God and men. So here's God here. Here's humankind here. There's one way to get or to bridge that gap between God and men, and it's the man. In other words, God has made himself a man. We, you know, I, I, I admit, we don't understand the, the makeup of God, the Trinity. We don't understand all of those things, and that's all right. We're human. We have limited understanding. But this we know, that God has made himself a man, so that he could relate to us and bridge the gap for us. A man, yes, but without sin. And one who was willing to pay the price for mankind by dying on the cross for their sin. How awesome it is. Do you see how much God loved us? He says, I know you can't relate to me. I know you can't come up in my presence You'll be struck down. The Bible says in, in John chapter 1, no man has seen God at any time. We couldn't bear to look at his presence except he allow us to be in his presence and give a mediator for us. But Jesus is the very image of God who, who is God himself who's our mediator, our go-between. So this whole chapter is to help us appreciate the greater than Moses, who Jesus is, who is indeed our mediator. It's a terrible thing to encounter an awesome God unless you have a loving mediator. Now the Bible in the New Testament says we can call him daddy. We can call him daddy. We can have a personal, intimate relationship with the God who created all. Say it in Israel's light. We can have a personal, intimate relationship with the God who destroyed Egypt, who is able to put all firstborn to death, who if you do not listen to, you have to deal with him, that awesome God we can actually be connected with. And think about that. It's amazing to me, you know, pet owners, there are people who love some of these strong dogs. I mean, some of these dogs that are just powerful. I see little teenagers walking dogs that they can't even control. And I'm like, why are you walking that dog? If that dog wanted to get away, ain't no way you're going to stop him. What they like is having control over something or being close to something that's so powerful that's on their side. That's on their side. <laughs> God's not a dog. He's not on a leash. But he's saying to you, 
I am so powerful, I can destroy anybody that's next to me. But I want you next to me. You know how awesome that is? To be next to the God who has power over all of his creation and to know that he has lovingly embraced me. The same God that they were fearful is the one that says, I wanted you to see all the stuff I did to Egypt and how I bore you on eagle's wings. I care for you tenderly. He's calling us to himself. And yet he's saying, don't forget who I am that you need a mediator. In other words, enjoy the personal, intimate relationship with me and celebrate why you have that because of Christ. Embrace the Lord Jesus Christ who allows you to be close to me. I desire that for you. I want that for you. And I've made that possible for you. Come into my relationship. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for this truth. You don't stop being awesome. You are terrifying to those who would stand against you and to any sinner. And we ourselves are sinners. And yet you called us into a loving relationship with you because of the Lord Jesus Christ. Open our eyes to see that though we respect and have an awesome respect that we would call fear of you, we need not fear you because Jesus is our mediator, our Savior. Lord, we can call you Lord, we can call you Father. What a privilege it is to do that, to know that you love us you care for us. You want to be connected with us. You've made that possible through Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord, for us today that those who are in Christ will begin anew to appreciate more and more what Christ has made possible and certain for us that we have a relationship with you. Help us to be willing to walk in that relationship. Lord, you've given us the Holy Spirit so that we can begin to do what we desire to do, which would be impossible without you, and that is to love you, obey you, and serve you. Help us to be thankful for all you are because it makes all that you've called us into possible. We simply want to say thank you as we serve you today, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.